Today's gospel reading begins with a very old question that many of us have asked our friends and neighbors. Why do bad things happen to good people? It also alludes to a question we usually just keep to ourselves. Why don't more good things happen to great people like me? In the story, a group approaches Jesus and asks, when Pontius Pilate killed a group of Galileans and added their blood to their sacrifices just to add insult to injury, were the people who were killed more sinful than everyone else? In other words, are acts of human evil a part of God's plan? The crowd goes on, and when the Tower of Siloam collapsed and killed 18 people, were those 18 the worst sinners? What the crowd is really getting at is whether God has a plan for them. Is all this suffering man-made or random, cruel, or just unfortunate a part of God's plan? Something God has decided to do based on our decisions. The truth is, we've never really gotten past that argument. We know how tempting it is to rationalize suffering, to come up with little sayings that make it feel more understandable, ways to explain it away as part of God's plan. And yet, when you press those explanations even just a little bit, they never hold up. It's the neighbor who tells you everything happens for a reason, but when you ask what the reason is, they just shrug. It's that Jerry Falwell tripe about how hurricanes are God's judgment on New Orleans, and yet when his hometown floods, it's just the weather. It's the uncle who is 100% certain that God just needed another angel and is 100% unaware that angels are not made out of dead people. Now, hopefully we can avoid the most senseless of those examples, the ones that use God's plan as a cudgel for our own agenda. But it's much easier for us to fall into the trap of using God's plan as a kind of benign, positive view for our lives. That God has some plan for us to be happy, healthy, whole, and the only thing that stands between us and that life is making the right choices. Even though seemingly positive uses of God's plan have a dark edge to them. If aligning your life with God's plan is about you making the right decisions, whether those decisions are about where you live or who, if anyone, you partner with, or what you do or who you are, you will end up afraid. Afraid you picked the wrong option. Afraid you made the wrong choice. You became a speech therapist instead of a physical therapist. What is God supposed to do with that? You moved to Mawa instead of Oakland. Not what God had in mind for you. You were so close. God's plan as punishment and God's plan as prize feel different, but they have the same shaky foundation. They're all about the choices you make. This kind of thinking is so ingrained in our heads that it's easy to miss it. There's even a tell in today's gospel reading that it's how the crowd is used to thinking. What's the phrase the crowd uses to describe the deceased in today's gospel reading? Worse sinners. When we did our event with Father Stephen last month, he made an offhand remark that I thought was very revealing. Someone asked him if some action was a sin or not, and he said something to the effect of, I guess technically it isn't a sin since you didn't know you did it when you chose it. No surprise, that's a very orthodox Catholic way of thinking about sin. Sin's an action that I understood was wrong, and I chose to go ahead and do it anyway. I was on the highway, someone cut me off, I chose to give them the finger. That was a sin. 
Even worse, if you have a bumper sticker that says the ELCA, God's work, our hands. <laughs> if sin is all about choice, then you can count sins. To use the phrase in today's gospel reading, you can have worse sinners. They're just the people who commit more of them. I did 12, you did 17. The people Pontius Pilate killed must have done like 80 or something. But sin is also about relationships and orientation. It's about power that draws us away from God and prevents us from loving our neighbors the way God calls us to. It's not a label that we put on individual actions as much as it is a way of describing relationships and systems that don't work the right way because of choices we've made and because of things that are out of our control. And if that's true, then sin isn't just about giving someone the finger while you drive down the highway. It's also about why the highway itself was built to avoid wealthy neighborhoods, and it plowed through the middle of, the middle of working-class ones, leaving them to breathe in the exhaust. So sin isn't just about the things we choose to do, it's about the legacies that we inherit and the things we take for granted as normal. If that definition of sin feels unfair because you didn't choose where the highway went and you can't undo the damage that's been done, and you're just trying to get by like everyone else, and your choices are always constrained by other people's, that means you get the point. When we make the world about our choices, our vision gets too small. When we make sin about our choices, we miss its power. And when we make God's plan about our choices, we think that what God wants for us most of all is to give us the things we already want. So if God's plan isn't about our choices, then what is it about? Well, look at the parable that Jesus tells in today's gospel reading. Look at what Jesus' plan is. Jesus tells of a man who hires a gardener to keep his property for him. And after three years, a fig tree that's in the garden hasn't produced any fruit. So what does the man say when he sees the tree? He says the thing we always say when we're afraid we've made the wrong choice. Cut it down, he says. Why should it be wasting all this soil? If it was God's plan for this tree to bear fruit, it would have been bearing fruit by now. Clearly, this isn't what God wanted, so just get rid of it. What does the gardener, or even better, what does Jesus say in this parable? Leave it alone for one more year. Let me dig around it and fertilize it. Jesus doesn't say it's not shaping up the way I wanted. Jesus doesn't say it's just sucking up resources from the other more useful plants. Jesus says, let me do some work on it. Let me help it grow. Let me get involved with it. Jesus' plan is not to move the tree around the garden until it finds some magical patch of soil that God has ordained from on high. No, Jesus' plan is to get down in the dirt with it. Jesus' plan is to get involved with it. And hopefully you can see some of the baptismal language and imagery under the surface of this parable. In the small catechism which Luther wrote for families to teach their children about the faith, there's a Q&A about the sacraments. It's based on the conversation you would have with a kid. And one of the questions is, what gifts or benefits does, does baptism grant? Luther's answer, it brings about forgiveness of sins, redeems from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation. Why do those three things matter so much? They matter because that's the plan. That's the work that Jesus is doing on us. Forgiveness of sins, redemption from the constraints of death, 
which includes any kind of social evil, and the promise of eternal salvation. What do you notice about that list? It includes almost none of the things we normally think of when we think of God's plan for our lives. In fact, the gifts of baptism have nothing to do with our choices at all. No magic profession, no city, no number of kids, no lifestyle, none of the stuff we agonize over making the right choices about. Because baptism isn't about your choices. It's about who God chooses to be for you. As we've been talking about baptism in the season of Lent, I've been using the same awkward phrase over and over, which is united to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's why that long, awkward phrase matters. How do we know what God's plan is? Because we've seen it in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It's Jesus who forgives our sins, Jesus who redeems us from the constraints of death, and Jesus who gives us eternal salvation. That's God's plan. And that's why when we're baptized, we're grafted into the body of Christ so that God can continue to do that work on us. Has that plan come to fruition yet? Obviously not. We still live in a world littered with towers of Siloam and fig trees that don't bear fruit. But God's plan is that Jesus is the gardener who keeps on digging, who keeps on fertilizing, who keeps on doing work on us so that we can grow and flourish into God's embrace. God's decision, God's choice, is to be exactly who God is in Jesus Christ. So that fear leads to community, so that wilderness leads to promised land, so that the cross leads to resurrection, and so that death leads to life. That's God's plan. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.